Hi, I'm Gracie Sarkeesian, the Executive Director at the NYU Wasserman Center, and this is All in a Day's Work, the podcast we've created for you. The NYU network is expansive, and our alumni have an array of unique experiences. All in a Day's Work will bring you episodes featuring members of the NYU community doing interesting work and navigating the professional world. We're excited to share their stories with you. We hope you enjoyed this episode. This is Sarah Rosenthal with another episode of All in a Day's Work. Today, I'm thrilled to be speaking with Allison Lee Rosenfeld, a musical theater and voiceover actress who has voiced dozens of characters in series such as Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh! and The Winx Club. Allison, thanks so much for talking with me today. My pleasure. Happy to be here. So I'm going to dive right in because I feel like you and I could just talk forever. Uh, So you graduated from NYU Tisch School of the Arts and have found success in voice acting as well as in theater. Can you just start by talking about your journey from being an undergraduate to ending up where you are in your career now? Absolutely. So I went to Tisch and I did what I like to call the tasting plate of Tisch, where I didn't just stay in one studio for all four years. I started at Playwrights Horizons Theater School, where I got a really well-rounded theater education. From there, I went on to study at RADA, which is the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art in London, studied Shakespeare, uh, which was fabulous, and then came (laughs) back to New York, studied uh, at ETW, which is focused more on physical acting, and then finished finished my time at NYU at Stone Street, which is the film and TV studio. Um, And it was there that I took my very first voiceover class taught by Karen Braga, who was wonderful. And she was the one really who was super encouraging of me and my burgeoning interest in voiceover. Uh, She encouraged me to record a demo and send it around and see what happens. And fortunately, I did. And it immediately, virtually immediately, now in retrospect seems immediate, <laughs> um, started to garner me some some recognition and some work. So quite a journey from start to finish at NYU, but I, I really do think that each step along the journey influenced how I got to where I got eventually. So, I mean, I, obviously you told us how you found voice acting, but what was it that drew you to that in particular? I've really always been interested in voice acting. I'm somebody who grew up idolizing Disney movies and Disney princess movies specifically. And I always, even from a super young age, had the awareness and understanding that there are people behind the cartoons who make the voices and get to sing those great songs. And I knew them by name even from a young age. So it was always something in the back of my head that I I knew I was interested in. I just thought, oh, you know, when I'm an established Broadway star, they'll just ask me to be a Disney princess. And that's how that'll happen, which is not how it works. Um, but it was it was something that incorporated a lot of the aspects of, of acting that that I love. And it's one of those things that when people are like a voice actor, and it's like, well, even as a voice actor, you, you use your whole body, you are an actor first and foremost, you know, so just because you don't see the performance doesn't mean that I'm like a floating head without the rest of my body, I really have to use all the tools in my toolkit to be able to create a full performance still. But yeah, it was it was always something I was interested in. And really, uh, with the encouragement of that teacher, it, it just made me want to really fly and really take a chance and see what could happen in that in that field. Well, and I love how you talked about voice acting in particular, like it is still acting, you're using your entire body. Um, 
And because you did this tasting plate, you know, at Tish, you experienced so many different ways of acting and and your education really sort of was very well-rounded in that sense. Can you talk about any of the things in particular that you experienced at Tish that you feel like really prepared you for this career in voice acting? Absolutely. Yeah. I think you really have to be fearless. And I think a lot of the acting training at Tish was helping people get out of their own heads and get fully into their bodies. And, you know, that's something that definitely coming as a, you know, sort of awkward musical theater loving 18 year old, I definitely needed help with. <laughs> and I also think the the ability to just make choices and make strong, bold choices on the fly. There are a lot of times where I'm auditioning for something and, you know, it's not necessarily the choice that the director had in mind, but hearing that I really went for something or that I really made a choice about a character or about a scene. Um, they can hear what I can do and they can then, you know, tweak it and and direct me towards the thing that they perhaps more had in mind for the character. But showing that range, showing that I'm not afraid to, you know, make a choice or or really put myself into a, a role or a scene is oftentimes what'll what'll get me the job. Going through that process, uh, especially because you did so many different Tish programs, taking the bull by its horns. How would you say your experience differed from someone who chose to stay in one program the entire time that they were at Tish? You know, I think that there's pros and cons to both. I think that if you stay in the same studio all four years, there's a way in which the the faculty really get to know your work and then can almost kind of like call you out when you're resting on your laurels and not really going for something because they know it's a habit of yours. You know, they can kind of be like, no, 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 I know you do that thing where you toss your hair and you think that's acting. That's hair acting. It's not real. Um, <laughs> there's a way in which, you know, the teachers who've gotten to know you that well over that much time can really dig deep with you in a way that if you just have them for a semester or even a whole year, that they're not necessarily going to get that that deep with you because they just don't have that much time with each student, you know, individually. But I also think there's there's so much to be said for experiencing all the things that Tish had to offer and having all different teachers and getting to collaborate with all different people. You know, it's not just the teachers, right? It was also the the people that I was in the room with, the, the other students. And, um, you know, having people who had different backgrounds and getting to act with them. So we're not all taught, you know, the same 10 points about acting or whatever. Not that anybody's only taught 10 points about acting. But, um, you know, coming coming into the room from different places, I think, in and of itself was a way to experience expand my horizons for sure and really yeah think think about scene work think about acting think about all of those things in a in a different way well and obviously you're you're incredibly talented and so many of your professors noticed that and and I'm sure your peers did as well but it's really important to not just be really talented what kind of skills do you think are really the most important or uh, the most utilized when breaking into the entertainment industry as an actor? So my my mom is a director of human resources for a financial services firm and has been in HR my whole life. So from, from the word go, she was like, networking, networking, networking. It's so important. It's so important. It's who you know and follow up with people. And all of those things have come to pass. It, I have found it to be so incredibly important um, to 
follow up with people, to network with people, to not be afraid to toot my own horn in the appropriate settings, and and really to to connect with people on an interpersonal level because it's really the lasting relationships that I have managed to fortunately build with directors, with engineers, with other actors in my field that has a lot of times, you know, garnered me new work and helped projects move forward and you know, I, I fortunately with a lot of the directors I work with and one of their go-to people because they know I'm always going to re- reply. I'm always going to respond in a timely manner. I'm always going to get the auditions in. Um, and they never have to, you know, poke poke me, poke the bear to be like, hey, what's going on? Why didn't you submit this thing? I'm, I'm really organized. I'm really on top of my um, bookings and my correspondence. And it's really important. You know, there could be somebody who is super, super, super talented. And if they don't pick up the phone or they're kind of bad at getting back to emails or they miss submission deadlines on auditions, it's going to affect them. It's going to affect, you know, how many jobs they're getting, if they're getting jobs. And you you really, you know, especially as a, a more like freelance actor, you're your own business. You are running your own business. You are everyone behind the scenes and you've got to, you know, keep the ship afloat <laughs> so that you can be earning a living doing what you want to do. I'm so glad you brought up networking because, you know, it's important in any industry, as you've already talked about. I want to go backwards to how you like initially built that network, because I think that's something that can feel really intimidating or or overwhelming for a lot of people. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think some of it is is fortunate luck and timing on on my part that you know, for example, the one of the first voiceover jobs that I booked was an animated audiobook series in Princeton, New Jersey. And it just so happened that one of the other actors on that gig that day was Tom Wayland, who was the director of Pokemon at the time. And, you know, that day he liked what I was doing on this other very random job. And he asked if I could come in for an audition. And as it, you know, pertained to like my colleagues, it was really just who who you were in the room with and what your attitude is like in the room and how you are to work with each other. Um, you know, I, I developed a lot of those kinds of relationships just by virtue of being present and doing the work and being respectful of other people in the room. And the, that fortunately eventually led to a lot of really wonderful friendships with people that I work with really consistently. And another wonderful thing that I love about my colleagues in the voiceover world is we are generally always looking out for each other. Um, Like if there's some opportunity that comes along for one of my colleagues and they think I might be right for it, more times, you know, more often than not, they will reach out to me and be like, hey, I got this audition. I'm sending it your way, which is just wonderful. You know, we're, we're in some ways direct competition, but, you know, we've built such a wonderful community in, in New York of, of voice actors who do animation that we really look out for each other and have this really beautiful community. And now a quick break to hear the senior director of the Wasserman Center, Kate Rocky Harris, talk about the Wasserman Center's readiness course. If you're an NYU student, consider enrolling in the NYU Wasserman Career Readiness Course, created in our Brightspace platform to increase on-demand access to career preparation knowledge. Through our six one-hour units, course participants learn to evaluate their values, interests, identities, skills, and preferred fields. You also learn about job search skills and processes while discovering how to build effective application materials. Finally, the course can help you develop the skills to build or maintain a network, evaluate job offers, and negotiate salaries. 
The platform includes videos, workbooks, reflection questions, and interactive assessments, and is free to the student body. We hope you can check it out. And now, back to the episode. I love hearing about all of the success that you've that you've been able to find. So I hate to bring this up, but obviously on the other side of success is rejection, which can be oh, a yes. really <laughs> can be a really big part, you know, of, of an actor's life. Hopefully you haven't had to deal with it too often, but when that comes up, how do you manage that? Oh, I I face a ton of rejection on the <laughs> daily. That's part of this gig. But look, I probably book I don't know, 10% of the work that I audition for. And that 90% is a lot. It's a lot of rejection. But, you know, two things. One, whether you are auditioning in person or, you know, you're in your booth in your house or whatever, like you got to just forget about it as soon as you submit it. Like you you got to just let it go because if you are sitting there, you know, hemming and hawing and hoping that you're going to hear, it, it's going to drive you nuts because there are just so many jobs, fortunately, that, you know, most of them you're not going to book. But the more you are auditioning, the, the more likely that the next one's going to be it. Obviously, the pandemic has really influenced uh, and changed so much uh, around the world of acting. Uh, But voice acting is a bit unique, of course, because it can be done remotely without having all the other actors in the room. Can you talk a little bit about how the pandemic affected the world of voice acting in any ways? Absolutely. So um, at the very start of the pandemic, everything shut down, as we know. Um, The only thing that did not shut down was voice acting. Um, Basically, my agents and studios that I worked with were like, hey, so we're going to tell you guys like what equipment to get and what to do and help you guys set up to, you know, be recording remotely indefinitely. So I had to go out and buy a more professional microphone and and interface and sound treat a space where I could record in. I was going to have to engineer myself. And there was a pretty steep learning curve that everyone in my community had to do um, to, to be able to stay competitive and to be able to, frankly, keep working. The apartment that we were in at the beginning of the pandemic was a one-bedroom that we came back to with our newborn son. Um, so not only was I competing with the noise of the baby, but we also had a train that was right outside of our window that you could absolutely hear when it went, went by. So now, fortunately, we moved and I have a whole professional home studio, which is where I'm recording from right now, um, which is wonderful. And the baby's in daycare, so I'm not competing with that noise either. But yeah, it it was really, I felt really fortunate to be in an industry that kept going, especially seeing all my friends who were, whether they were musical theater performers or film and TV performers, um, where everything shut down and they kind of didn't know what to do with themselves. And, And in some ways voiceover kind of got flooded with people at the beginning of the pandemic. But in other ways, those of us that had been doing it for a really long time already were just able to keep on trucking. (laughs) Well, so I think that the fact that you had to develop new technical skills because of the fact that you were doing all of this, you know, recording and editing, do you imagine it's going to be important for voice actors moving forward to, to learn all of those technical skills? And how would you suggest people get started with learning it? 
I I do. I mean, so a lot of my recording has stayed remote, even though now some studios are open and now some studios insist on having people come in-house to record. But the fact of the matter is, most of the time now when you are submitting an audition, um, the people who are listening where, you know, in the past, they were really just listening for your vocal qualities, for your choices. Now there's the expectation that they are hearing the final finished polished product. They want to know that where you are recording from is where they can book you from and frankly save money on, you know, having to rent a studio. And so they really want to hear what your sound quality is, not just in your voice, not just in your acting, not just in your choices, but in the literal recording quality. And in terms of how to start those skills, I mean, there's a lot of resources online, but also, I mean, if anybody ever wants to talk to me about it, I, you know, there are there are microphones, there are interfaces, there are ways to create a professional sound that do not necessarily have to break the bank. But depending on what kind of work you end up booking and the level of recording that they're asking you to do, um, you know, there are ways in which you can like upgrade along the way as you need to. That's great advice. Uh, so I know I know you mentioned having a baby right at the beginning of the pandemic, and I'm going to get to that. But I, you know, want to go first to uh, how you met his father, your your college sweetheart, who you met at NYU Tisch. You you were both studying that uh, in college, but you've had very different career trajectories since graduating. And I'm curious if you can talk a little bit about how your experiences have differed. Absolutely. So my husband and I met at Tish. We were a showmance. We met doing a play. <laughs> we were both students at Playwrights Horizons Theater School. We've been together for a very long time. And when we graduated, the thing that ended up creating the biggest difference in our experiences from graduation onward was the fact that I very fortunately was able to graduate debt-free and my husband was not. So where I had the safety net of my family and really could just like fly and and try every kind of audition whatever my husband had you know the the weight of his student loans hanging over him for a very long time and he bartended and then the panini the panorama the pandemic hit and he was furloughed and kind of had to figure out, you know, well, what's what's my next step? You know, I don't know that this industry, that hospitality is going to be coming back anytime soon. And so he decided to switch gears. He took the LSAT, did so well. He got a full ride scholarship to St. John's Law School. And that's where he is right now. <laughs> so, you know, having a baby right at the beginning of the pandemic, I feel like you and I have bonded uh, in many conversations that we've had over this mutual experience. How has it been, you know, working from home, the demands of parenthood, obviously your husband starting law school and just generally managing, you know, this this really big life transition. How has all that been for you? <laughs> you know, there there are moments where it's manageable and then there are moments when like, you know, we're quarantined because there was an exposure at daycare and James has school and I have work and somehow we have to make it happen. <laughs> So, you know, there are times where people are checking in and I'm like, it's actually impossible, you know, like it's actually not possible to do all of these things at the same time. And yet somehow through each crisis and each, you know, moment of hardship, we have somehow made it through. But it, it's no joke. It's no joke. And and I, you know, I have felt for a while that 
women and mothers and birthing folk have largely been left behind in the pandemic, and especially those of us with kiddos too young as of right now to be be vaccinated. We've just kind of been left in a lurch in terms of support, in terms of anything other than making it work on our own, at our own expense and at our own sanity's expense. And yeah, I'm not going to lie and say, oh, you know, whatever. And of course, you know, he is so delicious and cute and wonderful that I would have it no other way in terms of having my kid. But it's, it is a real challenge and it's a real challenge on a virtual daily basis. I hear you. So I I only have one other question. Uh, Just what's coming next for you? Well, lots of projects on the horizon, not a ton that I can talk about at this very moment, but I am very active on the social medias, so if anybody listening to this wants to come hang and play along, um, I'm on all the things, even the TikToks that the kids are on now. Um, And yeah, I, I always, anytime that I'm allowed to announce a new project, I always do. That's as much as I can say about them right now. Of course, I would expect nothing less. Well, thank you again so much, Allison, for taking the time to talk to us today. It was so great to hear about your experience, both, you know, immediately leaving Tish and what's going on for you right now as you juggle all of these really exciting things. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. If you want to learn more about the services that are offered at the Wasserman Center, you can log on to our career portal, Handshake, through your NYU homepage. Today's episode was hosted by Sarah Rosenthal with episode guest Allison Lee Rosenfeld. We're produced by Miriam Miller and Ben Barzilai, edited by Ben Barzilai, and created with support from Nia Beresford, Danielle Crystal, Haley Garofalo, Joseph Mercadante, and Carrie Contiyanis. That's all in a day's work. Thanks for listening.